Your Lady Parts, a refresher course on what's up down there. Episode number 67. Expect more and pay less at Target. Come on, who doesn't shop at Target? Today's episode of the Keep It 100 Girl Show is brought to you by Target. Although the craziness of Black Friday and Cyber Monday have passed, the deals from Target, you know what? Because they keep on coming. This week at Target, the whole family can save $10 when they spend $50. Or listen up, you could spend $100 and save $25 on all apparel and accessories. Are you toy shopping this Christmas? Receive 20% off Lego Star Wars Classic, Juniors, and Friends. And if you're doing a home refresh before those holiday gatherings, save 20% off domestics and decor, such as bedding, bath, decor, and rugs for those folks that are going to be judging through your home with their shoes on. On top of that, Target is holding a beauty extravaganza week with a different deal each day. So this is what you do. You check the show notes in the episode for all your beauty needs and discounts this week. Link to this week's deals from my website on ninababel.com forward slash podcast episode number 67. Or I'll even make it even simple, stupid for you. All you got to do is go to the show notes right there on your phone and click on the Target shopping link. And you could do all the mobile shopping that you want. Staying up tonight, I Welcome back to the Keep It 100 Girl podcast. And as always, thank you for joining me for another 50 Shades of Cray Cray. I'm your hostess with the Keep It 100 Girl mostess. It's me, Nina Babel. And if you're joining me for the first time, I help both men and women celebrate embarrassment in their lives. More importantly, I help you guys have all the open, awkward conversations with no filters. And now that we're in December, I really hope, for those of you who have been following me from the beginning, that I've been helping you out with that. Like I said, it's December, and there are a few weeks left to go before we go into this whole new year resolution frenzy of promises to ourselves, right? As 2016 really comes to a close, I've hoped and I truly hope you've enjoyed your dose of Nina love. You know, I dropped some real girl bombs this year, but I can say this, it could only get better. But I would like to take this opportunity to express my gratitude for all of you for listening and supporting the show. I'm having so much fun. Not only am I learning more about myself and my journey, I hope that you are too. Let me set the scene for the remainder of 2016. So Thursday is morning sip and it's going to be the last full episode. Next Tuesday, I will be formally kicking off the 12 days of Christmas. So for 12 days straight, myself and Girly Nation, we're going to give you 12 back-to-back days of inspiration. Fast forward after Christmas, I'm just going to be rinsing and repeating all the listener faves from 2016 until the new year. All right. In addition to my own experiences, real women and men give their real mother friggin advice on this podcast. They will express their personal bloopers when it comes to all that sensitive girly stuff. All those conversations that you already have with your girlfriends on a daily. Well, truthfully, they happen right here, too. 
continue to tell the truth, nothing but the truth, even if it's totally embarrassing or super cray cray. My hand is raised. How about yours? Yes, I'm ready to keep it 100. I'm ready to keep it 100, girl. You know I'm going to keep it 100. (laughs) Let's do a quick recap on last week's episodes. Firstly, I dropped a rebound episode. And we all know, or at least we should, a rebound never turns into anything serious. This time, I got it from a guy's point of view. And really, how it wasn't supposed to happen. I mean, that's what they all say don't we? Then I ended the week with my personal wonderlust story. More inspiration in my Keep It 100 moment. And in fact, the next day, let me tell you something. One of my listeners wrote me and said, look, I am booking right now his online travel and hotel after listening to my episode. Hey, I love action takers. That's what I want to hear, people. I want you to enjoy your life. So my biggest reason for doing this segment today is a lot of us really didn't pay attention in sex ed class or health class, whatever you had in school. And some of us either have been under or over instructed in sex and female hygiene. And then there's this generation out there who's been strictly taught by the internet, right? Specifically Google. And I've always preached that if we weren't taught, like if you and I were not taught by whether it's one parent or both, then we need to educate ourselves. Perfect example. I asked college women certain questions when I was on campus. And I'm just going to give you a little feel of what they had to say. I mean, coming from you, you're you're coming from a very like, you know, let's be honest, let's talk. Yeah. And I'm coming from like a more medical. So I'd probably just say, yes, there are holes, but we actually call them orifices, but it doesn't matter. Bottom line is you have three openings, you know? Yes. You can say holes and I'll say openings because that sounds (laughs) And like the urethra, then there's the vagina and then there's a rectum. biggest head scratcher of them all some of us grown-ass women are still getting it wrong you're never too old for a vagina poom poom lady biscuit bajaji or badge refresher course at any age or stage of your life it's amazing to me how women including myself still get some feminine hygiene practices or just facts about our sexual health wrong no fault of our own we've all been there Let's find humor in our miseducation. With the help of Dr. Diana Hoppy, who's a board-certified OBGYN in San Diego, she just doesn't look at your pap smear either. Her main focus is women's health, especially with the millennial generation. Also, she does speak about perimenopause and menopausal transitions and includes alternative medicine options in her practice. She's the author of Healthy Sex Drive, Healthy You, What Your Women's Libido Reveals About Your Life. Lastly, Dr. Hoppy was awarded, I think it was OPGYN of the Year in San Diego. So let's give her a round of applause. Class is now in session, people. And this is what you're going to learn in today's episode. And don't laugh, because like I said before, us grown-ass people (laughs) still don't know the difference with some of these things. Number one, the basics. You will learn about female anatomy people. (laughs) 
Number two, internal or external? Which is it? Because we still get it wrong. Number three, those annoying female infections and why do they happen? Number four, the diet rumors. Is eating pineapple like a real thingy? Number five, cotton underwear rules every time. Female basics for every woman, it all starts with selecting a doctor of your own. When you become an adult in your 20s, more importantly, you have that relationship. So when you're in your 30s and 40s, Dr. Hoppy gives us a brief summary of the transitions that are inherent to every woman. It's your path, girly. You want to make sure you have a practitioner that you can talk to and be honest with and ask any question. Because at different ages, we have different questions. In the 20s, you know, it might be a lot of questions about sexual health and contraception and what is safe sex and, you know, what are some of the risks that are out there. Right. 30s might be my periods might changing, be changing a little bit or I'm getting more irritable and not sleeping as well. Depends on what's happening with their, their um, hormones. And definitely in the 40s, the hormones will start shifting. Periods might be changing. Symptoms like hot flashes, night sweats, things like that might be coming up. And so you really want to be honest with your practitioner. And then if they're not listening, find a new one. Find someone who's going to really be your health advocate and work with you. But I think sometimes we just say, oh, we're not going to ask them because he or she won't listen or they don't care. And find someone who cares because your health is worth it. The reality. Truth be told, we as women, we fall short in the whole female hygiene thing, whether we were educated or not, or just winging it. So let's start with the whole external anatomy. And I'll let Dr. Hoppy go into that poom poom maintenance mode. Many of us and many of my patients who come in don't know the anatomy and they just say, well, there's something going on down there. And, and so I had to kind of figure out what does down there mean? Because there's a lot of different parts of down there, right? right. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so, what it is. Yeah. So let's first start with the external anatomy, which means the outside, right? And so um, here's a picture showing the external anatomy. And basically, one of the main things to know is that the vagina is not an external organ. It's an internal. So that's going to be the next picture I'll show you of the internal. So when we talk about the outside, we have the outside lips called the labia majora and the labia minora. And those are the vaginal, well, those are the vulva. Vulva is what they call that, or the lips. Right. Above that is the urethra, and that's where you basically urinate from or voiding. So that's the opening there, the urethra. Then comes the actually opening into the vagina, which is opening of the lips, and then is the rectum. So that's the external anatomy. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Because I think there's something missing here. What about that infamous hoodie that we all are equipped with that comes with 8,000 nerve endings, to be exact. Clitoris, yes, that's a very important part. (laughs) That is actually above the urethra, so you can see on the picture, you can see that it says clitoris, and that's normally covered by a clitoral hood, so it actually protects the clitoris. Because the clitoris has a lot of nerve endings, it actually has the highest number of nerve endings in a female's body. So it's analogous to like the penis, the actual head of the penis. So it's equal to the nerve endings in that area. So it's a very important part. And actually someone asked me today, um, one of my patients, well, how often is it that women can have orgasm with intercourse? 
and that is with just intercourse itself and not manual stimulation of the clitoris, etc. And it's actually not that common to have orgasm just through intercourse, vaginal intercourse. So manual stimulation or oral sex is definitely much more women are able to climax or achieve orgasm through that. So that was something that actually came up today that I thought, okay, that's an interesting point that maybe some of your listeners would want to know about. When Dr. Hoppy was talking about libido, my mind just started to race. And in case you missed it in episode 52, when I told you guys there are 10 vitamins that every woman should start taking in her 20s, I gave my own personal shameless plug when it came to maca. So I wanted to use this opportunity to ask Dr. Hoppy her opinion about maca. And if you're looking to balance hormones or get your libido in like fifth gear, maca will have it on and popping. Maca is the beast, (laughs) y'all. Seriously. My only caution is don't take it every day or else you're going to be horny like the Energizer Bunny. Of course, if that's the direction you want to take, by all means. In this next clip, Dr. Hoppy points out libido is not all about taking a powder or a supplement. It's more than that. Yeah, maca is an interesting, um, it's definitely used by different populations and it's been used in the past centuries for increased sex drive. Right. There's actually a, a new product that a lot of my patients are on called maca essence or fem essence that has maca in it. The thing about libido, and this is where I got in my book, is that libido is not just take a pill and you're fine. You know, libido is more than just that. It's kind of like, how do I feel about my body? How do I feel about my partner? How do I feel about where we are right now? Am I stressed out? Like on vacation, you might be so much happier than when you're stuck at work and then coming home after a long day saying, I really don't want to be having sex now. Whereas if you're in the British Virgin Islands, sure. You know, you got a margarita, you got a Mai Tai, you're like totally happy. Right. So maca is one of the options I actually mentioned in my book, but I think that it needs to also be in context of what's happening with your relationship. Are you resentful? You know, what's going on to make you maybe not necessarily be wanting sex right then? I asked Dr. Hoppy to share common themes she sees with her patients over time. She revealed women have the tendency to get the whole internal and external anatomy mixed up. So let's dig a little deeper. Oops, (laughs) pun on words. To find out exactly what these parts mean to everybody listening, and even you guys who are listening, and why you should even care, especially when it comes to mixing and matching. You'll get what I mean in a second. The vagina is an internal organ and the cervix leads to the uterus and then the uterus leads to the fallopian tubes and the ovaries. And the uterus is what carries the baby. The cervix is where we get our pap smears done and such. And then the ovaries are the main hormones, the main organs that produce the hormones. What's interesting is what a lot of women would say, well, my vagina hurts, when they might be thinking actually the external part hurts, which is the vulva. So that's where I always kind of say, well, is it the outside or is it the inside? Because a lot of people will say vagina for everything on the outside when that's not really the vagina. Yeah. And there's a lot of terms people use, like JJ, whatever they use, right? Right. You want to make sure that when we're talking about like a vaginal infection, that's more internal. An external infection will be like a vulvar infection. So... I've had sometimes people ask me like about um, the urethra, like what's that for? Well, that's for voiding, right? So that's where you're actually gonna urinate from. And the vagina is for 
vaginal birth, so the birth canal, and also for sexual activity. And then the rectum, for some people, they may practice anal sex, which is the total choice of whatever the couple is. But one thing I do tell my patients if they do practice that is that you really make sure you wash after you have anal sex and that you don't go into the vagina after the rectum. That is, if the penis goes in the rectum, then goes back in the vagina, that's going to introduce a lot of bacteria that aren't good for the vagina and also might lead to a urinary tract infection. So you don't want to mix those two openings. So now that we're talking about infections, I've always wondered, or it's actually just been stuck in my head as a myth, that UTIs come from anal sex. So I asked Dr. Hoppy to clarify. For the first time, I think I understand how this whole infection thing starts, and you will too. Yeah, it's not necessary from anal sex. It could be from vaginal intercourse. A lot of women can get urinary tract infections just with um, vaginal intercourse. That has to do with the bacteria, even some that are close to the vagina that are going up into the urethra. So it's really important after sex to urinate, to void. So you kind of flush the urethra and flush the bladder out. Because if you don't, a lot of that bacteria will go into the urethra, that opening, and then into the bladder and cause an infection. Ah. So it's really important to void after sex. That's really important. And then the other thing is to make sure you drink lots and lots of fluids. Because if you're not drinking enough fluids, you're more likely to get a urinary tract infection also. If you've ever had a UTI of some kind, you will know they are painful. I personally refuse to use antibiotics, period. And some of you may be allergic, so I asked Dr. Hobby to share some of those natural remedies that are viable options. Yeah, actually cranberry tablets I like better than cranberry juice, unless it's unsweetened cranberry juice, because cranberry juice can have a lot of sugars in it and things. Right. So you can definitely use cranberry tablets. I actually have something in the office called UT Defense that has dandelion root, dandelion, dandelion leaf, um, some other herbs in it that actually help to prevent urinary tract infections for those women who have recurrent ones. For some women, it's very much related just to sexual activity. So sometimes I might give an antibiotic and say, just when you have sex, go ahead and just take one dose of an antibiotic and that will help decrease the risk for infection. For those women prone to UTIs and get them frequently, Dr. Hoppy recommends a daily dose of UT defense. And I'll let her explain. So that would be a regular basis to keep their urine nice and acidic to, and also make sure you drink a lot of water. So that's in someone who gets, like you said, the friend that worked at the office that had like every week a UTI. And some women, they're just more prone to it. It might be anatomy is a little bit different. They might have a short urethra, various things. But sometimes it's not something the person's doing. The woman's actually doing it, just something that with her anatomy. So with those patients, I definitely would say do the UT defense every day, and that will help decrease the risk of bladder infections. How deep are we? What's our vaginal length? Let's get candid for a second, kick this myth to the curb. So you brought up something interesting just now, like how would a woman know if her urethra is short or even your vagina? Because, you know, some guys are like, oh, you're so deep. Yeah. Or the, there's these like myths that, you know, black women are deeper than white women. <laughs> yeah. So basically urethra you wouldn't know that unless you actually went to a urologist. 
Okay. That's when someone, like, let's say you're younger, you're like five, six, seven, you're just getting a lot of infections when you're a child. Your mom what may have taken you to the urologist, and then they would kind of do an analysis, a survey, evaluation of the urethra, and they could kind of tell the length and look at your bladder and, and such. But most women won't know that. Absolutely not. And then the vaginal length, um, most women are basically the same size. I mean, unless now someone after a baby, it changes a little bit. It gets a little bit more open, the opening actually into the vagina can be a little more spacious than someone who's not had a baby because the babies come out through that. It's kind of distended some of the, the vulvar um, tissues. But in general, the vaginal length is pretty standard. It's not like there's a huge discrepancy. <laughs> and I think that, that with men, there may be a more of a discrepancy in the sense yeah. of size than there is for women. When you talk about vagina, most women default to external, don't we? And that's because that's what we kind of, everyone uses that term for that. And that's why it gets really confusing. But that, that's why it's nice to have some education on it. And just so that you, when you do go to the doctor or you're talking to your girlfriend, you can say, well, actually, this is the, called the labia or the lips. That's what that means in the outer lips. Right. Then if you go inside, then that's the vagina. And so like with the vagina, we talked a little bit about vaginal health, that it's actually a self-cleaning oven. You do not need to use douches or any kind of, feminine hygiene products in that area because that's only going to introduce chemicals and other irritants into the area to cause infections, rashes, a lot of different problems. So I do not advocate douching at all. And definitely like when I was growing up, we used to have the FDS uh, spray, feminine deodorant spray, they call it FDS. Okay. And no, we don't advocate that at all. Cause all that is is chemicals that we're spraying to, to think that we're making ourselves better. <laughs> Which we don't need. <laughs> Hygiene, what should we use to wash? Don't we all want to know? Dr. Hoppy explains. Plain, mild soap, not a lot of chemicals in the soap. And just, you know, wash basically once or twice a day after you urinate, if you want to clean that area that's totally fine make sure you change your clothes after you um, exercise because a lot of times if we sweat a lot and we're still in that same underwear it can actually cause a yeast infection or a bad a vulvar irritation on the outside right so it's really important to have like cotton breathing underwear change it when it gets damp and then um just also how you wipe i know it sounds really stupid but it's simple but you go front to back because you don't want to go the other way because then it might introduce some of the stuff from the rectum which is where you basically have bowel movements and that has a lot of bacteria you don't want to introduce that bacteria into the vagina or into the urethra it's basic but it can help a whole lot to have this instruction in the right direction uh literally do we understand the difference, people? Because we're going to run this back one more time when it comes to wiping in the right direction. From your urethra to, toward the rectum. Yes. I'm trying to you don't want to go from the rectum toward the urethra. You want to go from, from like here, like if you're standing. Yeah. This is front and then this is your back. Right. Okay. Gotcha. So your diet may affect how things smell down there. Let's be real. While there hasn't been much research on this topic, it's mostly anecdotal evidence that suggests that your scent can vary during ovulation and when you eat certain foods. 
I asked Dr. Hoppy, is there a direct connection between what we eat and drink and our vaginal odor? Hmm. Vaginal health can definitely be affected by what you eat and what you drink. And like if you're not having enough water, the vaginal odor can be stronger just because you don't have the same kind of dilution. So you want to make sure you hydrate just in general hydrate a lot. So half your body weight in water in ounces is what everyone, every woman should drink per day. Now, if she's exercising, she might need more water, but in general, you want about like 60 to 70 ounces of water per day. And then the other thing with the vagina is that um, you want to eat foods that are really like, if you eat foods that are more like garlicky or more asparagus, right? There's certain things that will change the odor of the urine as well as some of the vaginal secretions. So the vagina actually makes secretions as does the cervix. And so it's that's what cleans it. It's kind of like, you know, you have saliva for your mouth. Uh-huh. You actually have secretions in the vaginal tissue that then will come out and that kind of cleans everything out. Next, I asked Dr. Hoppy to explain that whole pH thing. Like you always see pH this, pH that. And frankly, it doesn't mean anything to me. So I asked her to give us this 101 explanation. How does it change and why do we care? Our vagina normally has a pH that's about 3.5 to 4.5 which means it's acidic. So a pH means from like one to 14 and seven is neutral. So like our blood in our blood in our veins and our arteries has a certain pH like 7.4, let's say. The pH in the vagina is much more toward the acidic side, toward one. So it's about 3.5 to 4.5. So it likes to have a more acidic environment and it makes that because it has bacteria that are called lactobacilli. And lactobacilli make the the acid in the vagina in that pH range. So they're really good bacteria to have. So we talked a little bit what the foods to eat and stuff. It's really good to have yogurt. Some women take probiotics to increase the lactobacilli. Um, you de- don't want to have a lot of processed foods and sugary foods because that's not good for the pH of the vagina. And um, just some women I see if they have too much wine, like white wine can be high in sugar and that can also be causing like a vaginal infection or an abnormality in the pH. Uh, the other thing that can actually be interesting is with antibiotics. So let's say you get antibiotics for like a um, upper respiratory, like you have a cough and you're just, you need some antibiotics. If you get antibiotics, that will actually kill some of the good bacteria in the vagina. And that's why yeast infections are so common after antibiotics, because it kind of gets rid of the good bacteria. So we actually have, it's interesting, like a a balance between yeast, lactobacilli, and other bacteria, bacterial vaginosis, um, within the vagina. And when something throws that off, it can actually cause an infection that then leads to either like a bacterial vaginitis infection or a yeast infection, et cetera. So the actual pH is really important. More hygiene. The breathability of underwear and exercise is critical. In fact, it's a major key. Cotton is a much more breathable. That is, air can flow in and out from that. Whereas if you have like polyester, that's a synthetic material, it's not going to allow for that wetness to kind of be exposed to air. It's going to be like it's a within like a vacuum. And so it just keeps all the moisture right there. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you want to wear more cotton breathable fabrics. So when you're exercising and stuff and 
Um, even they, I was reading some places, and if you feel comfortable, is you know going to sleep without underwear, just keeping it aired, that's fine too, because you do want to have air to to that area. Right. And, and sometimes I also get the question about, um, like sometimes it can be an odor when you're exercising, like more sweat. And actually, there are sweat glands in the in the vulva on the outside, those lips, and oh. so that does sweat because it actually gives off pheromones, and pheromones are the hormones that attract the opposite sex to you. It's a pheromone, it's a chemical that's a stimulant for attraction. So it's called pheromones. That's interesting because, you know, I'll be working out and I'll tell you the two places I sweat are my vaginal area. You'll Vulvar. Vulva. Vulva. <laughs> I have to deprogram myself. It's okay. It's okay. My vulva area. And, um, well, you know, I'm just under, right. But I don't sweat anywhere else. But, and then when you mentioned the whole attraction thing, I'm like, okay, I could relate to that too, because you know, when I'm nervous, those are the places I sweat. Right. And so you will, you'll kind of exude an odor and that might be attracted to certain other women, men, women who like that scent, basically. So pheromones are a whole nother interesting topic that we could do on another show. Oh, my God. It makes total sense now. The whole scent thing. Ladies, ever remember when guys in the heat of the moment, they tell you that you smell or you taste good? <laughs> you want to listen up. Because it's going to click in a second. So the sense that they're attracted to, like if you're sweaty, let's say, because, you know, most when men, excuse me, women want to be clean and dry and take a shower and do all that. But to be honest, most men would say, no, go to the gym and then come right back. <laughs> most women would say, I don't want to do that. Dr. Hoppy, what is your view on antibiotics and UTIs? We all want to know. I think it depends on how much you've tried. I mean, I have some patients that might have a urinary tract infection and they do lots of water, do the cranberry tablet. They're trying to do lots of things. But if it's still not going away, then I kind of think, okay, now we need an antibiotic to just eradicate it. Um, but I try to minimize the antibiotics if possible. But sometimes you kind of need that if it gets to the point where you've tried all these other possible modalities and it hasn't yet gone away. So what would you say is the limit on the modality? Like, what length of time do you need to say or at least notify your doctor and say, look, it's been X amount of days? Yeah, you're talking about like a urinary tract infection type thing? Yeah. Um, the thing about urinary tract infections, if they're not treated, they don't go away, for some women that might lead to a kidney infection. Oh, which is called pyelonephritis, which is when you get a fever and you get back pain like on the side by your kidney. So that's something that gets more serious than that might you might need to go to the hospital and get intravenous antibiotics. So I would say I'd give it like a few days, like probably three, four days. And if it's not getting better, I would probably go in and just say, you know, I mean, some women might wait a week. It depends how symptomatic they are. If they're miserable, they're going to come in. Yeah. Because it's just too much to take to have a really bad urinary tract infection that's not going away. Like I said before, UTIs are painful, and there's definitely different degrees of pain. But I think the common thread is pain is pain, and you will only know your threshold. So she cautions on when you need to use an antibiotic. So that's why someone would say, I'm not going to wait a day or two. I'm going to just get this done. Yeah. But, um, you know, it depends on 
how much bacteria is there. Are they able to dilute it and get rid of the bacteria that's there? So some women can pretty much get rid of their infections without taking antibiotics. And then there's others that, you know, it just doesn't cleanse as well and you just need to take some antibiotics. So what's the difference between treating a yeast infection versus a bacterial infection when you're using antibiotics? So antibiotics actually treat bacteria and the yeast is a different type of organism. So we actually treat yeast with like an antifungal. It's actually a fungus. Okay. Yeast is that white kind of cottage cheesy discharge, you know? Right. And you can pretty much tell when you have a yeast infection, most women can. But um, we treat that with, you can do monostat, you can do creams, like vaginal creams that you insert the, the suppository or the um, uh, applicator in the vagina. Or there's something oral called biflucan, which is really an easy way to treat yeast infections. Um, the other would be maybe to change your diet a little bit and see if you can get some more lactobacilli in the diet. And I actually have one probiotic I recommend for women who do have recurrent vaginal infection, and that helps to colonize vaginal flora, and it's an oral uh, probiotic. Is that a script or is it over? That's actually through Metagenics, which is something you can order online. Um, I have a Metagenics account, so I have my patients order it through me, so I get a little bit of credit from it, but it's called Women's Ultra Flora, and it's a great probiotic specifically designed for vaginal health. So Dr. Hoppy introduced the idea of probiotics. Now, for me, I take them for bowel reasons and usually when I'm traveling so that I don't catch anything. But what she's talking about is totally different and I had no idea. She's talking about probiotics for vaginal health. And this is especially for women who are having reoccurring vaginal infections. So the probiotics that we're talking about for the bowel are a little bit different than the probiotics for the vaginal tissue. Oh. So that's where it gets kind of like tricky again. So we have to make sure we kind of talk about oranges and oranges. You definitely, probiotics are good for the bowel because the gut flora in your stomach and in your intestines, you want really good bacteria so that you break down the food, it goes through, you don't have leaky gut and have issues that come up. The flora or the kind of environment within the vagina is a little different types of colonization of the bacteria. So probiotics are very good for your overall health. But the women that need the ones specifically for the vaginal health are those that are really having recurrent vaginal infections. So it's not like every woman I say you have to take this. It's more like if you're having like every few weeks or just it's becoming just a problem, then I will go over all of their um practice is lifestyle like are they doing the right things with their hygiene and that type of thing to make sure we're not missing something there and then if they are then I recommend that the female vaginal health probiotic. See I didn't even know that existed. I just well, I didn't know either till I read back she came and told me I'm like well this is this is great because there's someone that do just have more shift in their pH just by little things they do whereas other that we can do a lot of stuff and nothing really affects us. And then there's others that say, oh, I had two glasses of wine. I got a yeast infection. You know, and it's like, okay. Right. Right. Or I had my bathing suit on. Or, right. Or I went into a jacuzzi and I got an infection. I mean, sometimes there's stuff in the water, too, that some of us are more prone to than others. Okay. So, for real, does every vagina have a smell? I've always wanted to know. <laughs> It may have its own individual kind of smell, but it shouldn't be like a bad odor smell. I mean, normally the vagina has a kind of a more of a natural 
healthy kind of smell. If there's a smell that's fishy, like we talked about, that could be a, a vaginal infection like bacteria vaginosis. If it kind of has more of a yeasty kind of, that can also have a different kind of smell. During the period itself, when menstruation, when blood is there, it has a different smell. And then also the certain kind of foods and stuff we talked about. Some, because there are glands on the outside that I mentioned, the um, sweat glands that release the pheromones. And you like, you know when you have like too, a lot of garlic, you might smell more like garlic? Well, your vulvar tissue might smell more like garlic just because it has those glands that are exuding the kind of sweat. And that when you sweat from your arms, you also can sweat from that area. Here's another one. I've always wanted to know why a woman's period smells. And in some cases... They smell worse than others. Dr. Hoppy, help us out. Well, it depends. Blood can have a pretty potent odor sometimes, and so it depends on how much are they bleeding, what part of the cycle. Is it like fresh blood? Is it older blood? Um, and then if they have an infection, it can have more of a fishy odor or that kind of thing. Right. So you might notice that too. And then some of us just have better ability to, to smell I mean like my smell is okay it's not great but like my medical assistant she has the, an acute sense of smell she's like oh my gosh I think she has BV bacteria vaginosis and I was like okay well I saw the discharge looked abnormal but I didn't get as much of the so some of us have different abilities of how well we smell okay so we understand the odor thing the smell thing Give us some natural remedies, Dr. Hoppy, for us to take back and start using. Some women do douching with vinegar, and I said, I said you don't necessarily have to do that. Um, there are remedies. I've had some women who put yogurt in the vagina, and they say that helps them. And, you know, just make sure it's yogurt that's natural, not with a lot of bunch of sweeteners and chemicals. You just want plain, natural Greek yogurt. Greek yogurt. You don't want to have a lot of stuff in that yogurt. Just think about the chemicals that you're putting inside, right? So you just want plain yogurt. Um, I know like in the past, I had to look at the, some of the history, but there's women who would put things in their vagina so they wouldn't get pregnant. And they had these different ways of like, like putting a lemon, half a lemon in there to help cover the cervix. And I can look into that. That would be an interesting topic to do more about. It's like what kind of um, things did people do in the past when they didn't have condoms or the birth control pill or the IUD and you know how did they try to decrease the risk for getting pregnant I know all of my smells do you guys and I say that because you really need to be in tune with your body because your body will always tell you when something is wrong in a different vein I will never forget that co-worker of mine that I used to work with who talked about or gave me instruction or guidance, advice, whatever you want to call it, about not holding your pee. And I was just like, I was young. I mean, I don't think I used to hold my pee, not intentionally. Um, but it makes sense now that I'm a grown-ass adult. But just wanted to give you all that little tip. And I asked Dr. Hoppy to explain what the ramifications are when you do hold your pee, people. Yeah, and also I think you get kind of used to your body. You know what feels right and what's not right. I mean, there's some women that just know right away when they have a yeast infection. They're just, they have the symptoms, they know, and they want to treat it somehow. Others, you know, I think having... Like the hydration, I think we're chronically dehydrated. I think if we drank more water, it would really decrease the urinary tract infections and even potentially vaginal infections because the hydration can help the vaginal tissues kind of get rid of, it's cleaning. Basically the hydration helps clean. So think of it kind of like cleansing 
self-cleaning oven with more water. And you triggered a memory, actually. I remember my first job ever out of college, this woman that I worked with was like, without any explanation, and this is how women talk or your mothers talk, it's like cryptic. They give you the end result with no explanation. And she was like, never hold your key. Trust me. And I didn't know what that meant because I don't think I had a habit of doing that. So it was foreign to me. If I did, it was not like for hours. Right. So let's talk about that for a second. And because the times that I have done it as a grown ass woman, (laughs) I pay for it the next day. I feel it almost like a little pain and neck as I discomfort. So, So when she was saying, don't hold your pee, it means don't not empty your bladder. That is always empty your bladder when it feels like it's getting full. Because if you don't, what happens is the bacteria that might be in the bladder overgrow and then it causes an infection. So if you kind of keep voiding and flushing out the urethra and the bladder itself, that's going to help so that you have less infection. So sometimes you might be on trips. A lot of women get urinary tract infections when they're traveling because they don't drink as much water and they're not voiding, they're not peeing as frequently. So they get much the public bathroom and the bathrooms and it's just, and that, yeah, there's a lot of factors that can be involved with it, but it's very common when you're traveling to get a urinary tract, urinary tract infection because of those factors. So she was saying, don't hold your pee, which means urinate when you feel like you got to go and don't hold it for hours because it's just going to make potentially worse symptoms and then an infection. So going back to bacterial infections, specifically bacterial vaginosis, Dr. Hoppy, explain what the difference is. It's an overgrowth of a certain bacteria that's in the vagina. So as I mentioned, there's like a flora, um, which is like a little microcosm of bacteria that's a yeast that's in the vagina. And that normally has a nice kind of um, medium. They kind of like all get along together unless something throws it off. So antibiotics can throw it off and cause a yeast or it can cause bacterial vaginosis. And that's just an overgrowth of a certain bacteria um, that then can cause that fishy kind of whitish fishy odor. So when we talk about transitions, at the age of 35, that's pretty much the standard, but it could happen earlier. You enter into the perio-menopause phase and then soon after the menopause phase. So we talked about what are those changes in your vaginal health? that we have to look forward to, especially when it comes to having sex. In perimenopause, which are the years before menopause. So menopause means 12 months without a period. So that's what menopause means. So perimenopause can be the two or eight years prior to menopause. And during that time, the periods can get more irregular. You can maybe have hot flashes, night sweats, mood swings, irritability. But with guarding the pelvic area, you definitely can have vaginal dryness. So that's pretty common. So that's why if someone says, gosh, you know, some months I'm very dry and other months it's fine, it's the hormonal fluctuations that happen. And so when our hormones decrease, that has less hormones to the vagina, which causes less secretions and less lubrication. So how long does menopause last? Or has, there's this lady, she's like, I'm going on nine years. Yeah. yeah, so menopause is 12 months without a period, like I said, and most women will have symptoms for about two to five years. 
majority. And after that, those symptoms will resolve in the sense of hot flashes, night sweats, etc. The vaginal dryness can go on for a long time because the estrogen is no longer being given to the body. And so, like when Viagra came out, all the men were like all happy because they could have these long erections, but the women, they weren't ready to have that kind of sex. And so there are a lot of women who came in with bleeding in the vagina. They had a lot of bruising. I mean, it was horrible because their their tissue wasn't ready to have that amount of sex or even sex at all. So vaginal health in perimenopause and menopause is very important. And coconut oil, right? Coconut oil is great. It's great, exactly. And then and then there's other things you can do to kind of keep your vaginal health in balance if you don't want to take an estrogen. There's um, like soy, but you'd have to eat quite a bit of soy. But eat good foods. Again, like fresh fruits and vegetables. Get the nutrients that you need and get the minerals that you need. Don't have a lot of stuff that's fast food, et cetera, because that just, every part of our body does not like that, including the vaginal area. And one of the best lubricant is coconut oil. So coconut oil, you know, you can cook with coconut oil. You can actually lubricant coconut oil. So you get pure coconut oil, nothing with chemicals, just pure coconut oil. And you can keep that by your bedside. And that is a very good lubricant for sex. And it's antibacterial. And like, what is the effect with condoms? Like it's no problem with condoms. So you like, that's why you don't want to use petroleum jelly things that will affect the latex. So it's no problem. And the thing about coconut oil, I think it's always funny because you could say, oh, it smells like Hawaii. And you feel like you're on vacation. (laughs) So as you can see, I cherry picked a whole bunch of vaginal health topics that will help all of us determining what the hell is happening to our bodies over time. And if you knew the anatomy, you might understand infections a whole lot better, right? But looking back, if someone had given me this actual conversation, like in plain cause and effect English, life would have been a whole lot easier, wouldn't it? We would have understood and took the appropriate measures. But you know what? It's never too late. The other part of this equation is we weren't ready as young girls for all of this information, right? A lot of us, because we didn't have those conversations in the home, didn't know what was being discussed in the first place in health class. Like, we might have just been introduced to that idea at that very moment. Look, when that co-worker gave me that piece of advice about not holding my pee, my reaction was, why would I even hold it? And I didn't even know what questions to ask beyond that. (laughs) Interestingly enough, Dr. Hoppy pointed out patients who are school teachers, airline stewardesses can't take a break and go to the bathroom. So they are the folks that are more prone to UTIs, for example. And I thought, okay, I get it. But let's do a quick recap. We've made the clear distinction between internal and external vagina anatomy, right? Hope you understood your libido better and that maca is a natural option available to you. But it's more than maca, right? It's the state of your relationship that also plays a factor. We learned that coconut oil is a natural lubricant and it's also safe to use with condoms. The causes and effects of UTI health, hygiene, and vaginal smells 
is a whole lot clearer now than it ever was. If you're prone to infections, then probiotics for vaginal health is definitely an option available, namely when it comes to UTIs. So you want to check the show notes where I'm going to list these products that have been mentioned throughout the episode. All right, people, that wraps up another episode of the Keep It 100 Girl Show. Be prepared to tell the truth, nothing but the truth, even if it's totally embarrassing or super cray-cray. We all will expose our insecurities as we take our journeys through unchartered girl territory. This will help me, and especially you, better understand and appreciate the embarrassing moments that women go through on a regular basis. Keep It 100 means that Nina keeps it real, she keeps it true. You will hear inspiring stories of women in dramatic situations who are unapologetically funny (laughs) with real emotional moments that are surprising and fun. You know what? I talk to my listeners like I talk to my own girlfriends about failures, successes, wins, embarrassing choices, regret, and aha moments. Also, check out my Huffington Post article. It's called The Resurgence of Black Love in 2016. These seven couples made us swoon over black love. They made us giddy, they made us cry, and they made us swoon, people. The link is available in the show notes. Leave a comment and tell me if any of those couples were one of your faves in 2016. Was this episode good for you? I want you to say, oh my God, that was so me. I want you to laugh or I want you to tell your peeps about all the relatable experiences that I just went through. So remember, new episodes are going to drop daily starting next Tuesday until Christmas. You can connect with me on social using the handle at Nina Babel on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. And lastly, you could check me out on the Keep It 100 Girl Facebook page. Next episode drops on Thursday where I'm going to do a 2016 roundup of 50 Shades of Cray Cray. But that's my reel for this week. See you on Thursday. Smooches. <laughs>